continue our study on Sunday morning through the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. And we'll begin to read this morning in verse number 1. Acts 10 and verse 1. For a few moments this morning, I'll speak to you on this subject, truths to remember on mission. Truths to remember on mission. Acts chapter 10, and we'll begin to read in verse number 1. I'll invite you to stand this morning, all those that can and are able and honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. When Acts chapter 10 begin reading verse number 1, the Bible says these words. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Now listen, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in the vision an angel of God coming to him and saying, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again a second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your Spirit would empower us this morning, God, uh, to understand the truths that are in this text. God, I pray, truly as we do always, to begin the service before a message, and Lord, even as we depart, there's one among us today, Lord, that's never repented and by faith received Jesus to be Lord of their life. God, we pray that this would be the day and the moment that they do that. God, I pray that you'll instill in the hearts and lives of every disciple in this place today these, these truths. Because we'll see, God, the conclusion of our message, how prone we are to forget truths, to be moved more by those around us than your word. And so, Father, I pray that as we live on mission, God, in these days, these truths will be a foundation, among others, in our lives. And God, that the sum total of our conduct before you, Lord, and our commitment to live on mission would be pleasing to your side and glorified to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Remember Acts 1.8, Jesus is about to ascend back to heaven. Uh, coupled with Matthew 28, 19 through 20, and Acts 1, 8, Jesus gave the disciples, those who were gathered there with him, uh, marching orders, a great commission, that they were to be witnesses, that they would receive power. They were to wait, they were to tarry until the power came. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, we saw the power fall. God sent the Holy Spirit into the hearts and lives of those individuals that received him as Lord. And so, literally... Uh, the gospel began to go out in the pattern of Acts 1-8. There in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uthermost parts of the world. So it started in Jerusalem. It began to move into Judea. In Acts 8, uh, we saw the Ethiopian uh, receive the gospel as Philip ministered to him. Acts chapter 9, last week we saw Saul receive the gospel. He's going to be the mouthpiece that God's going to use to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Because of yet, the Gentiles really, aside from the eunuch, in Acts chapter 8, they've not really had an opportunity to receive the gospel yet as, as, as a whole. And Cornelius really represents the world and the world mindset. He was the best and he was the pride of Rome. He was a very uh, godly individual as far as religious uh, and religion goes. But he didn't have a personal relationship 
with Christ. And so we're going to see God work in Peter's life and use Peter to win Cornelius and his whole house to the Lord. And so four truths about evangelism and living on mission really shine out in this text. And I hope you'll write them down. You'll let the Lord write them on your heart and you'll remember these truths and you'll be reminded today that, listen, even though you know truth, truth doesn't do you any good if you really don't act upon it and live it out. And we'll see that conclusion of our message. Four truths uh, to remember on mission. Number one, remember that good people can still go to hell. Good people can still go to hell. You hear it often here, and it's true. Hell's going to be full of good people. Uh, people that were good to their neighbor, uh, were honest people, they worked hard, they were good to their family, they were good to their children, but they never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Cornelius was a good man. He, he lived in Caesarea. Caesarea was 65 miles northwest of Jerusalem. It was the Roman capital of Judea, and it had soldiers throughout the area. And there were soldiers throughout all of Judea proper. Well, Cornelius was not a Jew. Uh, he, was a, he was a soldier, and he was a leader of soldiers. But the Bible gives us some, some things, some truths about him as far as his religious background or his commitment to religion. Verse 2 of Acts chapter 10 says he was devout. Uh, so he was very disciplined. Uh, he was a man who was, he was very religious. He feared, he feared God, what he knew about him. Uh, at least living in Judea, and being around the Jews and certainly hearing that there had been a Jewish carpenter who had died on a cross, they'd placed him in a tomb, and now they couldn't find his body. And there are individuals who all of a sudden, uh, they began to speak in the known languages of other people, and lives were being changed. You know, people were, they had lived one way, and now they were living completely differently. Something was happening because of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so he feared this God, and he told his whole house, look at verse number two, he told his whole household to fear God. So discipleship, at least what he knew about it, it was important to him. He was training his children and his family in the way that they should go with what light he knew. Um, he tried to be good to his neighbor. As much as he could love God, he loved him. As much as he could love his neighbors himself, he sought to do that. He gave alms generously to people. He tried to help them. He prayed to God always. He knew that people that loved the Lord and committed to the Lord prayed, and so he sought to pray. And so he was very devout, and he was very religious. But, friend, don't miss this. He was very lost. Isaiah 59, 2 says, Your sins have separated you from God. And so it's not a matter of... Remember, religion is man seeking God. And that's what Cornelius was doing. He was doing everything he knew to seek God. Christianity... Is about a relationship. It's God seeking man. God came seeking us. While we were yet sinners, God sent Christ to die for us. And so that he, though he was very devout, he feared God, he taught his house to fear God, he gave to the poor, he prayed always, he was lost in his sin. And so God observed him. God saw him. God saw what he was doing. And so as a memorial, it came up before God what he was doing. And God had a plan now, as the gospel was going to go to the Gentiles. God says, I'll bless those that bless you, Abraham, Genesis 12. I'll curse those that curse you. Do some of our leaders in Washington good to remember that. He says, and, I'll, and through you, all families of the world will be blessed. That's all people, not just the Jews. God's plan always was for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. Well, Saul was saved last week. He's in training God's turning him into Paul, but now the gospel has to begin to move to the Gentile people, and it's going to happen through Cornelius. In verse number 3, as he's seeking to pray, he, he has a vision, and God sends an angel and says, listen, you're acting on what light you've got, but you need to hear the real official word. Verse 6, you need to send and find Simon Peter. He's staying at a house. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. He says, you need a real disciple to come and give an authoritative word from me what it takes to have a relationship with me. Why? Why did this devout, don't miss this, this devout guy who if there would have been a Baptist church, he would have gone there. He would have been a member of the church. He would have been a part of a small group connection class, Bible study class. He would have served on every committee. He would have smiled when he was able to put his offering into the plate. 
Why was God sending Peter to him? Because he, though he was a good person, friend, he was lost. And we need to be reminded of that because we, when you talk to people, sometimes you'll say, they'll, they'll say you know, well, pray for so-and-so. You know, their, their gizzard's infected, you know, and they, they need our prayer. Put them on the prayer list. And then I'll follow up with, well, are they saved? Well, I don't know. You know, but boy, he's a good person. I'll tell you that, Brother Chad. You know, I've known him all my life. And boy, he, he works hard. Good to his family. Good that respect. Boy, his kids are more respectful than mine are. Just respect. Well, that's not what I asked. Has he been saved? Friend, we need to be right. Jesus says, many in that day will say to me. We looked at this verse last week with Saul. God, I did all these things for you. They're going to stand at the great white throne. I did all these things for you. I was a member of a church. I was religious. I feared your name. I taught my family to fear you. But Jesus says the one thing that separates where men and women spend eternity is not what you did on the outside, but what you received on the inside. Did you ever receive Jesus to be Lord of your life? And saving faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And Cornelius had not yet heard the word. He really hadn't had the opportunity to be saved. And we need to be reminded of that. Good people can still go to hell. And so just because someone's good, listen, it's not, it's not just the drug dealers and the pornographers that need to be saved. Every person that you lay your eyes upon, if they've never pinned and trusted Christ, they need to be saved. And that's one of the burdens in children's ministry. You know, who does, if you don't love babies, you've got something wrong with you. You might want to take them home and keep them, but you've got to love babies. You know, that's, our grandparents say that's one of the greatest things about being a grandparent. You get to love on them, and then you get to go home and leave them with their parents. Somebody say amen. But, I, you know, ours are growing up, and now they're in that perfect age of teenagers. They're so easy to deal with and low maintenance. Whew. Anyway. You pray for us. But uh, I, don't, I haven't forgotten. You know, we recently moved, and we were going through. We were thin in the herd. We were going through pictures and cards, and uh, my wife's a hoarder, and she had saved every page and note page and assignment and everything. We had to go through all those things. But, but as we went through all those pages together, and really I keep more stuff than she does, but as we went through that, we started finding some of those little baby pictures that we forgot about. And we'd see those little pictures and just how innocent and sweet they were. Friend, I want you to remember this. Every little child that you look upon, that's a sinner that will one day become accountable to God. They need to be saved. Those children that went down those stairs right there, how, even though they are, they are under an age where they're not accountable to God yet for their sin, one day they'll reach an age where they will be accountable. And they need the gospel. They need to be saved. Everyone needs to be saved to be born again. And so he says, he's going to come, he's going to tell you what you must do. He said, this was a good man, but he was lost and he sinned. And he had to respond to more than just the light that he had. He had to respond to the gospel. So be reminded of that. Hell's going to be full of good people. And never become deluded into thinking that if someone is outwardly religious and a good person, that they must be saved. Evangelist Billy Sunday was one of the greatest preachers that there ever was because he was one of these guys. He didn't care about what was politically correct. He just wanted to make God happy. And he just preached the word exactly the way it was. And somebody asked him one time, says, Billy, what keeps you so burdened? What keeps you so on fire? He says, every person I meet, he says, I see that they've got a red L on their head. So what does that mean? He says, they're lost until they can prove to me they're saved. If he had met Billy Graham, Billy Graham would have been lost until he could prove that he was saved. That's just the way he saw, and that's the way we need to see people. We need to remember that even good people can go to hell. What differentiates whether people go to heaven or hell is whether they've ever received Jesus Christ. John 3, 7 to Nicodemus, very religious man, Jesus said, you must be born again. Second truth you need to remember as you live on mission it's not only that, that, sadly, do good people even go to hell if they've never been saved, but number two, God loves and God wants all people to be saved. God loves and God wants all people to be saved. He loves all people. And I shared this with our small group connection class this morning. Uh, you know, the, the Taliban guys that are running around Afghanistan right now beheading people. 
Jesus died that they might be saved. The, the person that's selling crack, cocaine, to small children to get them hooked early at a young age, Jesus died that that person might be saved. The person that peddles pornography and is trafficking young women, God wants that person to be saved. The vilest of the vile, Jesus died that those people might be saved. But how could God do that? Greater love is no one than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus gave his life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So God loves all people, but God also wants all people to be saved. And we need to be reminded in a day again when Calvinism, friend, is spreading faster than COVID did over the past few months in churches. It's going here and it's going there. And it's infecting churches. It's robbing churches of their evangelistic zeal. It's robbing Christians of doctrinal truth. It is a lie. What Calvinism teaches is that God predestined a few people to be saved, but the other people he didn't, and they've got no chance whatsoever. And friend, I'm telling you, that is a lie. For God so loved the world. And it's not just the world of the elect. He died for all people. You'd be reminded of that because I'm telling you, you're going to work beside people. You're going to meet somebody's going to try to invite you to their little small group Bible study. They're going to try to teach you. Oh, no, oh, no, that's really what that word means. No, friend, I'm telling you, the Bible says, for God is of God, either loved everybody or he didn't love everybody. And he died that all people might be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9, it's not God's will that any should perish, any, but that all should repent and be saved. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, that all the world might be blessed. That's everybody. And that's all races, that's all cultures, whether we identify with them and we understand them. He wants all people to be saved. And so if he loved, it goes right along with our text this morning that we saw in 1 John, then we've got to love because he loves through us and in spite of us. It's a work of the, the Holy Spirit. And so what Peter's going to be asked to do goes against hundreds of years of teaching. For years, the Jews were raised to believe that all Gentiles were dogs. They're, they're less than you are. And God made a difference between Jew and Gentile. That through the Jews, Christ might come and the Word of God might come. But from the very beginning, it was always God's plan that all people would be saved. But what many people try to differentiate, and Peter had grown up in, was there's a difference. And so we're, we're, we're a better class of people. If we're not careful, friend, we can grow up and we can even condition our children and grandchildren to believe that though we might not understand, we're, we're, really, we're better than this group of people. And we're, we're, they're, now, they're different than us. And cultures are different. If you don't think cultures are different, you've got your head in the sand. People live one way this way, people speak a certain way, and other people live a different way, and other people speak a different way. It's culture. But Christ died for all people. And he loves all people. And if he died for all people, and he loves all people, then I have to be willing to witness to all people. I need to be fishing for all people. And the ministries of this church ought to be welcoming to all people. And while we might not understand the way people live, we should be welcoming to receive them, not their sin, and not necessarily their culture, if it's contrary to the gospel. But we've got to be welcoming that they might receive Christ just as we have. And so God begins to speak. Cornelius says, you need to send some fellows down and bring my friend Peter. He's my disciple. He's going to speak. He's going to tell you. And then so God's going to send Peter to him this, after this delegation comes. Because God loves Cornelius. He says, I'm going to send somebody who's going to speak for you. And I find it interesting that God didn't send the well-rounded disciples. He, he sent the rough old fisherman to the Gentile soldier. He sent somebody that he could identify with. Somebody who was rough around the edges a little bit, that said ain't and can't when he talked, maybe. Somebody that Cornelius could identify with just a little bit. But God sent him that he might be able to hear the gospel. John 20, 21, Jesus said, As the Father sent me, so send I you. So send I you. And friend, we can't allow ourselves to come to a place as we live on mission that we think, well, God doesn't love. These people are beyond the grip of grace. 
well, these people are so wicked and they're so vile. And because of the actions of these people, I hate these people. I hate them. I'm bitter against them for what they've... No, friend, we've got to love people with the love of Christ. The, Jesus, the same Jesus that hung on the cross, who a week before when people said, Hail Him, hail Him. Oh, well, Jesus, we love you. We, want you, to be, we want you to be our mayor. Move Rome out of the way. We love you. One week later, so fickle, instead of hail Him, hail Him, now they say, Nail Him, nail Him. And Jesus looked at those people and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. You want to know the reason lost people act like lost people? They're lost. They're lost. Dogs act like dogs. I never go. I don't like that my dog whines and barks when we're out in the backyard. It gets on my nerves. But I never go down there and say, now why are you doing that? Why are you barking? He's a dog. He barks. I've got to make a confession too. I, I need to get this off my chest. I've got two cats now. I feel better. You pray for me. I wouldn't even kill all snakes now. Poisonous, but I live out in the country. If I see a black snake, I'll probably let it live now. It's, it's, it's killing me. But the only reason I've got cats is to kill mice. But it just furthered in my heart how much I despise cats when we got them because they're so fickle and finicky. One minute they're meowing and the next minute they're clawing your eyes out. But you know the reason they act that way? They're cats. I want to tell you something, friend. The reason all the lost people act like lost people is because they're lost. If it weren't for the grace of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit, you'd act that way too. you say, oh no, I've got a better pedigree. My mom and dad didn't raise us that way, friend. You couldn't do it. Your nature would win out. It's only through Christ that you can live like Christ. It's only through Christ. So we need, we need to remember that, that God loves and wants all people to be saved. He loves them. We need, to be, we need to be reminded of that. Don't allow the sinful actions of others to harden your heart to the truth that God loves all people and he wants all people to be saved. Number three, third truth we need to remember is going disciples instantly obey. Going disciples instantly obey. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, as you are going. Daily throughout our life is we're living on mission. That's what our uh, discipleship time has been about for the past several weeks. We've, we've been at a very specific focus on living on mission each day. God hasn't called me to Portuguese people. God sent us from Western North Carolina over here to East Tennessee. This is the mission field in which we live. If you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this is the area that you're supposed to live in, would you say amen? Some of you aren't sure. You need to pray and find out what area of the country God wants you to live in. But if you're in God's will and you're living where you're supposed to, this is your mission field. So we pray for Brother Rom. His mission field is in Brazil. We pray for others. We're, we're there on mission. We're to be on mission here. And going disciples instantly Obey God. When God opens a door, we don't rearrange, we don't replan, we don't say, God, I'll get back to you. We instantly obey. Look what the Bible says in verse number 11. Peter's praying, and the Bible says in verse number 11 that now he's hungry. God's going to use something that's going on in his life to speak a spiritual truth to him. And so he's hungry, he's, he's ready to eat. And so while they're preparing food while they're making ready he fell into a trance and he saw heaven opened up verse 11 and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descending to him and let down to the earth and in it were all kinds of four-footed animals now i'm not going to go back through the levitical law but there were certain animals that they could eat and certain animals that they couldn't eat some god deemed clean and some god deemed unclean and it was for purpose of differentiating what the gospel would ultimately would do and so, prior to this, Peter, couldn't, Peter didn't know the joy of a sausage biscuit. Say amen. He didn't know the joy of a fried catfish fillet. Somebody say amen. He didn't know the joy of those things, of what was clean and, and what was unclean. But now God's going to open the door to all the animals, but not that. He's opening greater the door to all people. 
He wants him to see that there's not an unclean person. There's not an unclean person. And that just because Peter was steeped in tradition, he needs to be more influenced not by tradition, but by the Word of God and the will of God. And so he saw all these animals come down, and in the midst of it, there was a, a pig sitting there smiling at him. There's a catfish flopping around in the middle of the sheet. And he said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He says, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. I've never done that because that was part of my upbringing. I was being true to your word. And the voice spoke to him again the second time. says, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. He says, look, what I've deemed clean, it's clean. And you may have been taught that the Gentile people were different than you, but when they're washed in the blood of Jesus, they're just as clean as you are. And we need to be reminded, friend, that all those people that we think, you know, that they're less than us because of their sin, when they trust Jesus Christ in the sight of God, they're as much a saint as you are. And I'll submit to you this, friend, most often they're more thankful for their salvation than people that have grown up in the church and become apathetic and indifferent to it because they've never known any different. They're so grateful for the change that God's brought about in their life, and they never get over it. He says, now everything's together. He says, once cleansed, it's all cleansed. And notice this, Peter begins, he keeps dealing with this. And so verse 17 says, now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision uh, that God had sent might mean, behold the men now, because God, remember, one of the truths that we shared with you about the work of the Holy Spirit was that when God's working in your life, He's also working in the person you're going to witness to's life. And so he's working in them, and he's working in you. Well, God's been working on Cornelius, and God's working on Peter. And so people are being sent from Cornelius to inquire about Peter, and they stood at the gate, verse 18, and they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, listen to this, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down, and go with them, doubting nothing. What that means for you is don't give God any lip. He says, God says, go witness to him, go. Don't sit and say, well, now, now he's a Gentile. What's everybody going to think? Now listen, we've just been, now God, up to this point, we've just been witnessing to the Jews. He's a Roman soldier. Friend, listen, when God says go, go. Because the door may not stay open for very long. When God tells you to witness to someone and is leading you to do that and he opens that door, you've got to do it. You may be the last chance that person has. They may step into eternity that day. This may have been the last opportunity Cornelius was going to have to receive the gospel. What if Peter would not? Well, I'll, I'll call the pastor and get him to go. Well, I'll ask one of the deacons if they've got time to run by next Sunday afternoon. No, friend, God, it's, it's the Father sent me. Jesus said, so send I you. Each of us are responsible to live on mission. And when God opens the door and he moves upon your heart, and you, you've got to... Now, friend, listen, I've shared this a few weeks ago. I, the old-time preachers used to scare me to death when I was a kid. So, you know, God told me, and I heard the devil say, I've never heard the voice of God but I've heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to my heart so loud you couldn't mistake it. The still, small voice of the Holy Spirit leading, giving me peace, overwhelming me with this is what I want you to do. And I knew I had to act. When God says go, you've got to go. And what does he do? He instantly obeys. Look what the Bible says in verse number 20. Then Peter went down with the men who had been sent from Cornelius and said, yes, I'm the one who you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations. And, and Peter's probably, you know, like we'd be, he'd be like, blah, blah, but he's still lost. Great, 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 great. He needs Jesus. He's hearing all these things that people still say, and he's like, well, we're going to give him what he needs. Verse 23, then what did he do? He invited them in, and they lodged with him. On the next day, Peter went with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. He didn't balk. He didn't burr up like a mule and say, God, I'm not going to do it. When you live on mission and you're going to experience God's best, and listen to me, if someone else is going to experience God's best through you, you've got to obey God right then. I'm not proud of this. 
And I've shared it before in discipleship. One of the, one of the darkest moments in my life was not when I, my life wasn't committed to Christ. I was an associate pastor at Calvary Road Baptist Church. On a Wednesday afternoon, I was in a hurry to go get a haircut. Get a haircut. And I'll never forget, I'd gotten, I had to run to the Bible bookstore before I went and got my haircut on Main Street. And I was walking down the street, and I was right in front of John Graham's, in front of the old, where the old Belk store was. I'll never forget. And it was right about the time you need to understand that Mel Gibson was making a movie, which I don't promote, but it was just, it's what was happening in the world. It was called The Passion of Christ. It was just all the talk. You know, all these churches were going, people were talking about it. It was, it was a big deal. It was in the news, and, and a lot of people were going to see it. And I, I remember I, I went across the crosswalk, and I went on up to the Bible bookstore. I did my business, and I was coming back. There were two boys that were sitting on, on two benches that, 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 that separated the crosswalk before you stepped onto it. One was sitting on one bench, one was sitting on the other. And I moved, I heard them talking, and one boy said, Have you seen that movie, The Passion of Christ, yet? And I was heading this way, and I walked between them. And another boy says, No, I haven't. He says, I just don't understand what that's all about. And the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. It's like, this is it. And I took about three or four steps, and I looked at my watch. It says, I've got to get my hair cut. I don't have time. And I kept walking across the sidewalk. I took about 20 steps up Main Street back toward my vehicle. And it's like the Spirit of God just overwhelmed me. What are you doing? I said, God, what am I doing? And I took off, and I ran. I almost got hit by a car. I took off and ran across the crosswalk, and they were gone. The boys were gone. God had given me an opportunity. I mean, the ball was on the tee. It was ripe. It was ready. And I was more concerned about a haircut than I was sharing the gospel. And who knows whether they ever got saved. I may have to answer for it. Their blood may be on my hands if somebody else wasn't more faithful. And the lesson I had to learn that day, friend, was this. When God says go, go. Right then. Because you may not have another opportunity. And so Peter didn't argue with God. He went. He went against all the, all, the, all the false doctrine as far as the Pharisees and Sadducees had sown in their lives that Gentiles are less people. He went against all of that, and he stepped out in faithfulness, and he obeyed God. Going disciples instantly obey. And I stood before my church family that night, and I remember crying, and I asked for their forgiveness. I asked for God's forgiveness, but it still marks me to this day. The fourth truth. You need to remember, as you seek to live on mission with God, is that gospel messages always demand a response. Gospel messages always demand a response. It's not enough just to invite someone to church. I'm, I'm glad that you're proud of your church and you, you want to invite people to church. I've had people tell me before, you know, they, I hope it wasn't because I was their pastor, but they said, there have been times where they weren't proud of their church and they didn't want to invite somebody to their church. I've met people that weren't. I hope you're proud to invite somebody to your church. I'm glad you do that. But friend, that's not sharing the gospel. Just telling someone that you love them isn't sharing the gospel. You haven't shared the gospel until you tell someone what the Bible says about sin, Christ's death, his resurrection, the need for repentance, concur, confess, change that comes about as we receive Jesus as Lord by faith and then you invite them to do that. If you haven't done all those things, then you really haven't shared the gospel. I'm so glad that when someone shared the gospel with me, they just didn't tell me about it. Then they invited me to receive Jesus Christ. How sorry a person would it be to bring two pieces of apple cake to work, apple pie to work, and then to open up one to say, boy, it's the best apple pie my wife's ever made. It is wonderful. Oh, I'm glad I brought a little ice cream here with it. And they put it on top and say, you all try this sometime. It's just wonderful. And you're just sitting there staring at that extra piece. He's like, oh, I brought an extra piece right here. I'm going to eat it later. And they just keep eating. That's not a real nice person, is it? You know, I see that in funerals all the time. I'll see pastors that get up and they'll talk to some, the crowd and they'll preach to somebody in heaven and say, you know, you, you really need to think about eternity. You really need to receive Jesus Christ before it's too late. Let's bow our heads for prayer. You never invite anybody to be saved. You never invite people to repent and trust Christ. Friend, when you share the gospel, it demands a response. 
And every time we meet as a church family, we're going to invite people to respond. And as you live on mission, you've got to step through the uncomfortable spiritual warfare that's going to take place where the devil's going to try to make you so nervous you're ready to throw up on your shoes. You've got this fear of rejection. You're, you're afraid what they're going to think about you. The devil's putting all these thoughts into your mind. You've got to push through all of that. Because what separates where that person spends eternity in hell or heaven is what they do with Jesus Christ. The gospel demands a response. John chapter 6, verse 37. Jesus says, all who come to me, I'll know wise, cast out. And so... Peter begins to share with him. He says, but in, but in every nation, whoever fears him, he's there now. He begins to preach Jesus to the household of Cornelius. He and the delegation go back. He says, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. He begins to tell Cornelius, listen, Cornelius, God loves you. Christ died for you. He wants you to be saved. Verse 36 says, then the word which God has sent to the children of Israel preaching through Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all. And what Cornelius needed to question was, was he Lord of him? And everybody else there, had they received him to be Lord of their life? And then verse number 44, the Bible says, while Peter was still speaking these words, he preached Jesus. He preached the gospel. He preached their lostness, the penalty for sin, what Christ did for our penalty of sin, that God raised him from the dead, and the need to repent and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. And the Bible says that in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, while he was sharing the gospel, that the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard. Why? Well, look at verse 43. Peter says, To him all the prophets witness that through his name, the Lord Jesus, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Not a head knowledge, but a heart reception. That's what Jesus said differentiated between whether people spend eternity in heaven or hell. Many people say in that day, Lord, I've known you, I've done all of these things, but Jesus will say, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. You never received me into your heart. You had a head knowledge, but you didn't have a heart reception. And at that very moment, all of those people, as Peter preached the gospel, the Bible says in verse number 44, that the Spirit of God fell on them. Why? Because they received Jesus. They trusted Him to be Lord of their lives. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that included all of those Gentile people that were there. Romans chapter 10 Verses 9 and 10, the Bible promises that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. They heard and they received. They had to respond. They had to make a decision. And every time you share the gospel with someone, you need to invite people to make a decision. What will they do with Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9. The Bible says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. Well, these people have been saved. They received Jesus. They responded to the gospel. And now the Holy Spirit lived in their heart. And so because of that, Peter took it even further. He said, you need to publicly identify now what Christ has done in your life. Verse 47, he says, Can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Well, that blows up the doctrine of works by baptism, doesn't it? Huh? All of those say, no, no, it's not enough just to believe. You've also got to be baptized. The Bible says right here, they had already been saved because the Spirit of God was already living in them. Now, baptism comes after salvation. And so they had to choose to do that as well. What's the truth that he's trying to teach? Peter invited them to receive, and they chose to do it. And so as we live on mission, you cannot, listen to me, look at me, you can't be satisfied fully 
until you've come to a place that you've given a full gospel presentation and you invite someone to receive Jesus Christ. And that may take weeks and months of sowing before you're able to do it. Peter was blessed and that Cornelius was waiting for him. He was looking for him. And that will happen occasionally. But that is not the rule. Most often, you're going to have to build a relationship with that person over weeks, months, and sometimes even years until God opens the door and they respond to the light and to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and conviction of the Holy Spirit, and they're ready to hear. And then when you get to that place, you can't be saying, well, I finally got to share Jesus with him. Well, great, they can die, die and go to hell knowing the gospel in their head. No, that's where you got to say, now understanding what I've shared, can you, can you think of any reason why you shouldn't receive Jesus Christ into your heart today as Lord of your life? That's what Peter did. And that's what we have to do as we live on mission. Don't allow the, listen to me, don't allow the devil to bring you to a place that you think just, just sharing the gospel with the person is enough. That's just the first step then they've got to choose to receive Christ. And we can't save them, but we can be a part of seeing them born again by inviting them now. And I'm so thankful there was a pastor the night I got saved that said, if anyone wants to trust Jesus to be Lord of their life, you come here to the front and I'll pray with you tonight and show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. Am I the only one that happened to? Anybody happen to anybody else? That's what, God's got, that's what God's called us to do. And so don't, don't forget those, those truths. Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 22. One of the greatest questions that was ever asked. Pilate said, what shall I do with this Jesus? It's a great story. Isn't that a great story? There Peter was. Cornelius was this religious man. God worked in Cornelius' heart. Sent a delegation. Peter goes, shares the gospel, they get saved, and everybody lived happily ever after, right? Wrong. Turn over to Acts chapter 15. Look what the Bible says in Acts chapter 15 and verse number 1. As the church continued to grow and the gospel continued to spread out, Paul's living on mission. Barnabas is joined up with Paul. The Bible says in verse number 1 of Acts chapter 15, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, the disciples, this, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. It's what Paul would write a letter to the churches in Galatia about. The, these are Judaizers. They said that believing in faith in Jesus Christ alone was not enough. That there was a difference between Jews and and Gentiles in the church. And all these Gentiles who had never been circumcised as an outward symbol of their faith in God and being part of the Jewish faith, they had to have that happen. Or they really weren't saved. And so these unlearned disciples, they didn't know what to do. Well, look what the Bible says in verse number 7. There was a council to address all this. The Bible says in verse 6, Now the apostles, now stay with me. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter, and when there had been much dispute, look at it, who's there? Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose us, and by the mouth, and that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Well, where'd that happen? Over in Acts chapter 10. And he started reminding them of all those things. He said, Don't you, don't you remember God sent me to take the gospel to the Gentiles? And he continued to preach and to share truth. And then the council decided, friend, what they already knew, that salvation was by grace through faith alone. Okay? Well, Paul went on to Antioch after this happened. Okay? And Barnabas went with him. And the Bible says that certain other disciples also came. Now listen, write down Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. And listen as I read to you where Paul recounts what happened after this Jerusalem council, after Cornelius got saved, after Peter stood up with great boldness and reminded them of all these truths that God wanted the Gentiles to be saved. And it was by grace through faith alone. Paul says to the Galatian churches in Galatians 2 verse 11, he says, now when Peter had come to Antioch, he says, I withstood him to his face. 
because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing that those who were of the circumcision, that's Jewish Christians, and the rest of the Jews, and then with the rest of the Jews also, he played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried about by this hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truths of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in a manner as Gentiles and not as Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? What happened? Well, Peter made this bold stand on this truth that he knew. Stay with me. This is, this is the most important part of the message for the church. Peter knew all these truths. And he stood boldly at the Jerusalem Council and he declared those things. But now he goes to Antioch to see the progress of the church there. And when he gets there... Some of the Jewish brethren come and say, Hey, what are you sitting over there with these Gentile disciples for? They're not Jews. And so Peter gave in to peer pressure. And he pushed away from that. He started hanging out with just the Jewish people. And so there was a division that was made. And Paul came and heard about it. And Paul didn't care about making friends. And, and he just wanted everybody to be right with God and right in line with the Word. And he got right in Peter's face and said, Have you lost your mind? What are you doing? And so as Peter was living on mission, he forgot these truths. Either he forgot or he just pushed away from them and failed to obey them. And so we need to be reminded, friend, that even though we're daily living on mission, God has given us truths to live by and operate by. And they're important. And we need to be reminded from this text this morning that good people can still go to hell because we're living here in the area of the good Baptist where people really don't need Jesus, they're just born good. No, friend, hell's going to be full of good people. We need to be reminded that God loves and wants all people to be saved. There's not one person that God doesn't want to be saved. Calvinism's a lie. And friend, hatred and racism is of the devil. God wants all people to be saved. Everybody. We need to be reminded that going disciples instantly obey. We don't walk away from gospel opportunities for worldly things because you may never get that chance again. We need to be reminded that gospel messages always demand a response. It's not enough just to invite them to church. It's not enough just to invite them to church and to Sunday school or to, to some place to eat or merely, friend, just to share the gospel. We can't be satisfied until we invite them to receive Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. And that's what I want to do for you right now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Has there ever been a moment where you've received Jesus to be Lord of your life? If you haven't, won't you do that now? He loves you, he died for you, and he wants to save you. My friend, he will not violate your free will. If you want to die and go to hell, that's exactly what he'll let you do. But if you want to receive his forgiveness, experience his love and only the life that he can give you that is full and abundant, you must choose to turn from sin and by faith receive Jesus to be Lord of your life. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon him will be saved. And that means even you and even me. So tell him so right now in a simple prayer of faith. The prayer is only the reflection of your heart. Your heart must mean it. Pray just like this if you want to be saved today. God, forgive me, a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again, Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I'm trusting you today to be Lord of my life. I turn from my sin. I turn to you in faith. Take my life. Mold me and make me now into the person you want me to be. That's my prayer. If you prayed that prayer, you've trusted Christ, I want to I further invite you, friend, to make it stick even more in your life. That's to make your way forward during this time of invitation to simply say, I prayed that prayer and I want to share what God wants to do next in your life. Child of God, are you living on mission every day? When you get up and after you read your Bible and spend time in prayer, you've got that quality time with God each day in His Word. You have the mindset, God, I'm deployed on mission. Now, here we go. Here we go. Let me add it. I can do all things through you. You need to remember these truths. Don't let the environment, 
don't let the spiritual temperament of backsliders and those who are riding the fence guide you. Continue to be guided and grounded in the truths of God's Word as you live on mission daily. Father, I pray you'll continue to grow us as disciples. Grow your church in the likeness of Christ in all things. And God, I pray that as we seek to live on mission, we'll remember the truths of your word. And they will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. They'll guide us. We'll be doers of your word. If we ever come to those moments like Peter, God, like I've had happen on mission, God, where we've not been faithful, God, forgive us as we repent immediately. And God, I pray that it will be a part of a foundation that we'll build upon, that we won't forget and we'll continue to move forward and we'll be more ready to stand against the devil's lies and we'll be grounded in your truth. God, I pray you'll speak your will to our hearts now. Individually, you know what every person needs to do to grow more into the likeness of Christ. Speak your will to us and I pray we'll respond to it in brokenness and repentance. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's remember to stand to our feet. Heads are back.